Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you here on a Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock. Welcome aboard for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. It's great to have you back, Bud. I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. There's still no verdict in the Manafort trial, and Atina's arrested after a Snapchat threat made toward Timber Creek High School. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And embattled ice gets a red-hot shot in the arm from President Trump. We hop on the Trump train next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 102.5. Jury deliberations resumed this morning in the trial of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. The jury in Alexandria, Virginia, has been considering the charges against Manafort for three days now. Manafort faces over a dozen charges related to bank and tax fraud. Early in their deliberations, the jury asked the judge a few questions, including what the term reasonable doubt really means. There's no word on any questions from the jury yesterday. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Melania Trump is warning about the downside of social media. The First Lady promoted her Be Best campaign during an event in Maryland yesterday and put a spotlight on cyberbullying. Meanwhile, the First Lady is heading to Africa in the fall for her first big solo trip. The October visit will be her first time on the continent, and she said she wants to learn about the issues facing children there. The First Lady said in a statement that we live in a global society and open dialogue is critical to learning from each other. Police say they arrested a teenager who made a threat toward Timber Creek High School on Snapchat. The Orange County Sheriff's Office says 15-year-old Noah Griffith faces a felony charge of, quote, written threats to kill, do bodily injury, or conduct a mass shooting or an act of terrorism, end quote. Police were made aware of the threat on Sunday evening after another student reported it. Additional law enforcement is present on the campus, and Griffith is being held at the Juvenile Assessment Center. Deb, here we go again. In the wake of the Parkland School Massacre last February, we saw all of these threats, you know, by kids who were trying to be some kind of a big deal or whatever. I think to get a handle on this, there's a lot of judicial discretion here, and the system has discretion. you got to throw the book at this kid early in the school year, you know, to make an example of him to cut this stuff off or at least reduce it, I think, around the state of Florida. be very interesting to see what happens. My heart just goes out to all the law enforcement agencies, which are thinking, oh, here we go again. Yes. We've barely started the second week of school, and we're already responding to false threats. It, it takes up resources. Oh, and, yes. You know, and then when the real one comes, you know, it... it well, and it totally disrupts the learning environment. It, 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 it unsettles parents. It terrifies students. You know, they don't know what, what's what's real, what's not. There's exactly. no way to know. I'm telling you, they got to throw the book at this 15-year-old kid to create a deterrent, and I hope they do. I'm, I have a feeling they probably will, bud. In the meantime, the legal battle over online 3D printable gun designs continues today. A Seattle judge issued a temporary halt on the Texas-based company Defense Distributed from posting 3D printable gun designs online back on July 31st. There are 19 states and the District of Columbia asking the Seattle judge to block the State Department from allowing those files to be posted until the case is fully argued in court. Many people are concerned that 3D printed guns could evade security systems and endanger the public with their lack of serial numbers. Out West, an affidavit shows the Colorado man admitted he killed his pregnant wife, but not their two daughters. Chris Watts was charged with first-degree murder for all three deaths yesterday in Colorado. 
Watts reportedly told police that he strangled his wife, Shanann, in a rage after he found her strangling their three-year-old daughter, Celeste. He claimed Shanann had already killed their other daughter, four-year-old Bella, when he saw her. The bodies of Shanann and the two girls were found on the property of the oil company Watts used to work for. Yeah, submerged in oil for they, four days, yeah, right? The, um, the wife was found in a shallow grave. The daughter's bodies, yes, were found submerged in crude oil. And what a, what a bizarre twist to his claim that he yeah. killed his wife when he saw her killing their kids. Apparently, they're going to do some DNA testing to try to sort that out, that they're very skeptical uh, of what Watts is now claiming. We'll see. Yeah, also uh, that just came out of uh, court papers yesterday is the fact that he's, quote, actively involved in an affair with a co-worker. Ah. So it sounds more like the classic case of my family is getting in the way of the new life that I want. It does. Yeah. Fire crews are continuing to battle raging wildfires in California, including the massive ranch fire. Crews lost some ground with the fire on Monday as containment dropped from 76% to 74%. The fire also grew by 10,000 acres to more than 351,000 acres. The ranch fire is one of two fires that made up the Mendocino Complex fire, which is the largest wildfire in California history. One firefighter has died battling the ranch fire. And finally, don't know if you've seen it, but a Chicago area nun is getting attention for her pitching arm. Sister Mary Jo Sobick bounced the ball off her arm and then fired a perfect strike while throwing out the first pitch before the White Sox-Royals game Saturday at Guaranteed Rate Field. Video of the throw by the nun from the Marian Catholic High School in Chicago Heights has gone viral, and she did not wimp out. She sat. She threw that pitch from the mound, from the wow. pitcher's mound. 60 feet, 6 inches out, Absolutely. just like they do in the majors. Yep. You know, she could give instruction to some of our presidents who have been, you know, less than impressive throwing out a first pitch. Well, a lot of celebrities could learn something from her throwing <laughs> wow. pitch. And for her students, <laughs> remember that same arm that threw out that first pitch is the one that's going to hit you with the paddle with the holes in it to break down the wind resistance. <laughs> Sounds like you remember that well oh, from your days in Catholic school. still have the welts to show for it. <laughs> WFLA News Time at 6.07. Read about and watch as two people and a dog are rescued from a submerged truck at a marina out in Los Angeles. You can see it for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Wonderful to be back from a family vacation with the Nashville arm of the Hedinger clan up in Tennessee. Great to be back here alongside you, Deb, and in the control room, Yaffe, who split his week last week hosting half the shows in my absence, and the professor, Mark Locus, handled the rest of it. you take good care of him over the last week or so? We did, absolutely. (laughs) Still good to have you back, though. Thank you. And if she didn't, I'd be too scared to tell you otherwise. Absolutely right. (laughs) She kept me in line. I'll Ah. bet she did. Somebody's got to, Yaffe. It's great to be back with you. Steph, great to see you again. Ready to take calls here this morning. we got a red-hot lineup of hot topics. Folks are going to want to weigh in, and you're the one they'll be talking to. All right. Steph is reachable at 407-916-5400. That's how you get to me. You get to her and join the conversation. And our text line is always open, never busy at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. It's the Tuesday edition of Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. On your cell, hit pound 250. Just say real estate, and you are good to go. We're on the Trump train here in just a moment. 
President Trump yesterday, in an event that got precious little coverage from the anti-Trump media, he had a terrific event at the White House to try and bolster the embattled officials who protect our borders, ICE and the Border Patrol. And it was awesome. And we're going to hear from the president and the guy I hope gets confirmed to be the new leader of ICE. Stay tuned. It is all ahead as we get rolling here on a Tuesday morning. The Bud Man back with you. It's great to have you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. Right now, an update coming in two minutes on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I got to tell you, I thought it was a stroke of genius on the part of the president yesterday in the White House when he convened some of the top officials with um, immigration and customs enforcement, ICE, and members of the CBP, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, at the White House, and they let them get up there and tell some of their stories of what they have been going through with the slings and arrows coming at them from the open border Democrat Party, which it increasingly is as it is being driven to the far left by the nut jobs like Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he had a great event there, and it came on the heels of a letter that he had sent out to well over a 1,000 state and local leaders, and many of them I know went out to leaders within the sound of my voice in the cities and towns of central Florida, imploring them to stand with the heroic men and women of ICE and the Border Patrol and to support them in their local communities. That is not, of course, what's happening in Orlando. We've been chronicling our slouch toward becoming a full-blown sanctuary city. Not going to get into the details there, but trust me, this will have fallen on deaf ears in Orlando and Orange County and thrown in the round file, I'm sure, by now, this letter from the president. It was impassioned. He chronicled the statistics that cannot be denied. Last year, ICE arrested more than 125,000 aliens with criminal records. Among the crimes, roughly 48,000 assault offenses, 12,000 sexual offenses, 11,000 weapons offenses, 1,900 homicides. And then abolishing ICE, which is what the left is calling for, and more and more in the so-called but no longer mainstream Democrat Party, abolishing ICE effectively means no enforcement, no deportations, no borders, and would result in massive crime, huge loss of life, colossal economic hardship for American workers, and lawless anarchy. And the president sees this as the legitimate midterm campaign election issue that it is. And he thinks he has the majority of the American people on his side. God help us if he doesn't. Mr. President, if you will. Blue wave means crime. It means open borders. Not good. We will not stand for the vile smears, the hateful attacks, and the vicious assaults on the courageous men and women of ICE and Border Patrol and law enforcement. We will protect those who protect us. The extremists who attack ICE and CBC like to portray themselves as champions of social justice. They are not. But their radical policies are the ultimate injustice, hurting innocent Americans and spilling innocent blood. People are dying. 
And it went on and on, and it was absolutely terrific. It was only covered with any length and not the full length by Fox. MSNBC danced in, danced out of it, and mocked it. CNN completely ignored what happened yesterday inside the White House. Also on hand uh, was the fellow we hope will wind up running ICE. He is the acting director, and he weighed in on a very important case that you've been hearing about in the news in the last 24, 48 hours or so about the... uh, the man who was arrested by ICE as he was driving his pregnant wife to the hospital to give birth to their child. These heartless ICE officers, we need to abolish this agency. We need to lock these men up. They're out of control. It's Nazi, Nazi stormtrooper tactics. It's whatever you want. Then came the real story, which will be told here in a moment. 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680 for your take on the president's big pro-Border Patrol, pro-ICE event at the White House yesterday and the very obvious lack of coverage in the mainstream anti-Trump media. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. So in the big pro-ICE, pro-Border Patrol event at the White House to counter the vitriol coming from the left, that wants open borders and doesn't want illegal immigrants held accountable in any way, shape, or form. After the president went down the list of ICE arresting in last year, more than 125 aliens with criminal records, we focus on the very latest as this continues. But the president is relentless in his commitment to keep his campaign promises to secure the border to get illegal aliens out of this country, to keep the illicit drugs that are killing people by the thousands across this country out of this country, to keep potential terrorists out, even if he can't get the funding for the wall that he promised Mexico would pay for and he can't get Congress to chip in anything other than relative nickels or dimes. He's really doing a job in, on, in, with the tools that he has available to him. And we're talking again about his salute yesterday to the heroes of ICE and the Border Patrol. The acting director of ICE, and I hope he'll head the agency subject to congressional confirmation, which, of course, will be rough for him. We're talking about Ron Vitiello. He was at the president's event. Then he showed up on Cavuto's show at 4 o'clock on Fox, and I was watching, and I asked Yaffe to isolate a sound cut here. Um, from Vitiello, focusing on this story, much in the news, and getting all the bleeding-heart liberal coverage that, of course, a story like this will generate, of the man in Southern California who stopped while taking his pregnant wife to deliver their child at the hospital. He stopped to get gasoline. An ICE agent suddenly swooped down on him and cuffed him and led him away. And the woman had to drive herself to the hospital for the C-section in a terrible state of trauma, okay? And buried, as long as they could bury it, was the reality that this man has been wanted for murder in Mexico. He and his family have been living in this country illegally for 10 years. Vitiello, Ron Vitiello, the acting ICE director, weighed in on that yesterday. 
This is far from an innocent victim. Uh, this person was wanted by uh, foreign authorities for murder. Um, and like this arrest, most of what ICE does in cities and towns is targeted enforcement. This was a referral that we got from Interpol for a wanted person. Uh, we did surveillance to find out where they lived, and when that individual left their home, we made a vehicle stop. None of the ICE officers that made that arrest uh, did anything wrong. That's exactly what we asked them to do each and every day. Uh, it just so happened that they were on their way to the hospital from that location. Acting ICE Director Ron Vitiello with the rest of the story the mainstream media has tried to bury. This guy is wanted for murder in Mexico. Deborah Roberts joining us now to get you up to date, particularly those of you just checking in here at the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour on the Tuesday edition to Good Morning Orlando. I would have thought, frankly, we would have had a verdict from the jury in the Manafort trial by now. A bit surprising. What are they now, full three days into deliberations? Yeah, right? exactly. He's getting ready to start their fourth, where the jury in the bank and tax fraud case against former Trump uh, campaign chief Paul Manafort returns for more deliberations this morning. The jury in Alexandria, Virginia, wrapped up a third day of deliberations yesterday without coming to a decision on Manafort's fate. Manafort faces over a dozen charges related to bank and tax fraud. Early in the deliberations, the jury asked the judge a few questions, including what the term reasonable doubt really means. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A petition effort to place a proposal to legalize recreational marijuana on the ballot in Oklahoma is short of its goal. Oklahoma's Secretary of State James Williamson announced yesterday that Green the Vote gathered 102,000 signatures, which fell more than 20,000 short of its goal of 123,000 signatures. The Green the Vote petition effort came after Oklahoma voters legalized medical marijuana in June. Back here in Florida, one of the Democrats running for state agriculture commissioner had to move her campaign account to a new bank because Wells Fargo doesn't want her business anymore. Nikki Fried of Fort Lauderdale says they targeted her because she advocates for medical marijuana. I am not touching the plant. I am not selling the plant. I'm not producing the plant. I'm simply advocating for the expansion of medical marijuana, and that was their reason for closing me down. Freed was a lobbyist for the medical marijuana industry before she became a candidate for agriculture commissioner. The Florida Department of Children and Families says several of its employees are being investigated over allegations of food stamp fraud. The agency says some workers have already been fired for getting benefits they weren't entitled to. The food stamps were provided after Hurricane Irma hit last year and more than one million Floridians asked for assistance. And finally, a new study says the seating in your work office might be affecting your health. Researchers at the University of Arizona found that people who work in a place with open seating are less stressed during the day than those who work in cubicles or private offices. People who work in an environment with open uh, bench seating are also more likely to engage in physical activity. The study, for what it's worth, can be found in the medical journal Occupational and Environmental Medicine. Do you think it makes a difference in your experience? No. Like you said earlier, it's too early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a chair. That's all I care about. <laughs> Me it's too. It's a chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have meager needs here. Yes, we do. You can get these stories and more, though, at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. 
And I don't know what seating arrangement you have, Gina, in the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, but you always seem to have your act together and be delightful, cool, calm, and collected. It's great to be back with you this morning. Oh, well, good morning, but it's good to have you back. Let's talk about the stock market, what the uh, futures may indicate for today, and what came down the pike yesterday, shall we? Sure. Well, we have the stock futures pointing to a higher Wall Street open. Right now, Dow futures are up 58 points. We have some earnings ahead today, including Kohl's, J.M. Smucker, and T.J. Maxx owner TJX. Stocks rose yesterday, but trading remains relatively light. Consumer-related shares did lead the gains, though, and the Dow was up 89, or about four-tenths percent, to 25,759. The S&P rose 7, or a quarter of a percent, to 28.57. The Nasdaq was little changed. It tacked on five points and closed at 78.21. And the Bloomberg Orlando Index was flat to higher, led by airlines. And speaking of the airlines, apparently folks who've invested in airline stocks We'll be smiling this morning. What can you tell us? <laughs> yes, American Airlines led a surge in U.S. airline stocks as investors bet that strong travel demand and lower fuel prices will help carriers extend a rebound after a rout in the first half of the year. Scheduled talks between China and the U.S. are also holding out the prospect of easing trade tensions, which could mean a better outlook for business trips. And the U.S. economy under Trump has been roaring any update on that trend? What's going on with the economy right now, Gina? Well, the U.S. economy looks set to forge ahead as fresh areas of domestic demand carry it past some turbulence overseas, keeping the Fed on course for further interest rate hikes. Some economists say growth in this year's second half could be 3% or more. While that would be slower than the second quarter's 4.1% pace, it would still be enough to make the entire year's performance the best since 2005. That's impressive. We'll watch for it. Now, Pepsi trying to reassure bottlers that buying soda streams not going to be bad for them. What's this all about, Gina? Well, yesterday we had the news that Pepsi is buying Soda Stream, which is a company that allows you to make your own soft drinks at home. What Pepsi is telling its bottling partners is that this planned acquisition is not a sign that Pepsi is abandoning them, even as sustainable packaging becomes a global flashpoint. Sources tell Bloomberg Pepsi has written to franchise bottlers to assure them the deal won't impact their operations and pepsi has no plans either to offer its namesake flavors on the soda stream platform meaning you won't be able to make your own pepsi or mountain dew at uh, home got it got it before you go um apple of course is uh, riding high and now they're planning further upgrades on some of their devices what's going mm -hmm. on with apple Sources tell Bloomberg Apple plans to release a new low-cost laptop and a professional-focused upgrade to the Mac Mini Desktop later this year. The Mac has been a steady seller, but some loyal users have complained that recent updates have not met their professional needs. And the current MacBook Air, which costs $1,000, remains Apple's only laptop without a high-resolution screen. The new one will be geared toward consumers looking for a cheaper Apple computer, but also at schools that often buy laptops in bulk. Very interesting as always. Gina, nice to hear your voice and to have you back with me this morning here on Good Morning Orlando from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. We'll catch you same time tomorrow morning. Have a great day, Gina. You too, bud. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. And coming up here in just a moment... Boy, the headline hit me right between the eyes yesterday as I was back in town and trying to get my act together and figure out what we ought to talk about together this morning. Headline, Florida's teacher shortage. More than 4,000 job openings as the school year begins. Why are we 4,000 
teachers short. I saw an explanation from so-called school officials. I don't think they're, they're coming to grips with the reality here. Why are we having trouble filling public school teaching positions? I'll give you my take, and I'd love to know what you think, because a lot of you are teachers headed for school. A lot of you are parents with the kids in the car right now. And you must have a take on this. And I would think if you're just hearing this for the first time, you'd be shocked and unsettled by the news that statewide the school year begins, Florida public schools, with 4,000 teaching positions unfilled. Why is that? 407-916-5400, you tell me. Or text me, never busy, 23680. Standard message and data rate supply on the text line. That coming up right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and I'll do that quickly. It's here in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. You know, I mean, what would a basic requirement be of a school administrator at the local or the state level in Florida? Would be to make sure you have enough teachers on hand, and yet statewide, the headline is we are 4,000 teacher jobs short, positions going open and unfilled. Two years ago, the number was 2,400 statewide. Last year, 3,000. Now it's more than 4,000. Big concern about the growing teacher shortage. Administrators in the article I'm reading in the Sentinel saying that Florida's universities used to produce all the elementary school teachers they needed, but as enrollment in education colleges has dropped, that is no longer true. But nowhere in this article do they tackle the real reasons that are pretty evident to me, even though I don't have kids in school right now, many of you do, I'll tell you, I can cite four reasons why people are not interested in teaching in Florida's public schools right now to a greater degree than we have seen. I'm going to get into that in a moment, but I want to defer to those of you who've joined me on the 50,000-watt front porch to try to explain that how we are not able to fill 4,000 public school teaching positions in the state of Florida. Lori, a pup down the line early. Thanks for your patience. Lori, good morning to you. You're on with the Bud Man from Orlando. Lori, are you with me on line one? How about it, Yaffe? Is this working? I'm going to put you on. We're going to we're going to work it out here in a moment. Let me try it again. Lori, are you there? All right. I'll put it on hold. We'll try another line. Uh, let's go to Scott. Good morning from Orlando, Scott. All right. All right. We got a technical issue, maybe. Line three. Go ahead, uh, Joe. You're in from Titusville. All right, guys, you're going to have to work that out, or we're not going to be able to do any call-ins here this morning. Let me tell you what I think are the four reasons why, even though they're not acknowledged in this exhaustive article in the Sentinel about the 4,000 teaching positions gone unfilled, I can cite four reasons why we're having trouble getting people to stay on the job or to go into a career in public school teaching here in Florida. Tell you what, while we try to resolve the phone issue, please don't let that be a deterrent. Call in. We're going to get it solved if we possibly can. 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680. There I know you'll get through. Uh, Never busy, 23680. And standard message and data rates apply. 
I can see the answer to this question very, very clearly. It's very interesting that school officials either will not acknowledge or simply don't understand what the factors are. I'm going to identify at least four of them here in a moment. And I understand why people are getting out of the teaching profession in alarming numbers and others are deciding whatever I'm going to do for my career pursuit, it's going to be something different than teaching. How sad. We've got to get this problem dealt with and fast. Go ahead, Joe, on the issue of why we can't fill 4,000 teaching jobs in Florida. Go ahead. Yeah, Bud, am I on the air? Uh, you are, as far as I know. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, the, the two biggest reasons, I think, is one is pay, which is why my, my sister and niece both left the teaching profession. And the other is you're, you're constantly humiliated as trying to indoctrinate kids and stuff if you're a Democrat. So why bother? You know, All right. be humiliated. That's interesting. I have to say on the pay issue, I think it's still an issue with teachers. The, the great teachers will never be paid what they're worth. There is no doubt about that. If so, they'd all be making more than six figures for how critically important their job is in our society, in our public schools. Uh, but I think pay, whatever it is now, relative to the rest of the workforce, is really better in Florida than it once was. So I'm sure we've always driven teachers out because they're not making what they think they need to make or, or deserve to make. Or others are saying, you know, I want to go into a field where I can make more money. I think it's always been an issue. But I, I, would, put, I would put pay at number four on my list of factors as to why we have this incredible number of unfilled teaching positions at the start of the school year. I can tell you that nearly 70 open teaching positions were listed just yesterday morning uh, on websites for Lake Orange and Seminole County school districts and 4,000 around the state. I think, number one, something that has changed is fear. After Parkland, I think there were some teachers who said, it's not worth my life. I'm going to live in fear every day I go to work. I'm going to go to work somewhere else. I, they're not acknowledging that. I think that has cost us teachers, established teachers. I don't know it. I don't have documentation, but it only makes sense to me. And kids who were thinking about a teaching career thinking, whoa, I'm not sure I want to go in that direction. And mom and dad saying, I don't want you in a classroom. And particularly with the problems we're having now uh, on getting enough school security, despite the law that was passed post-Parkland massacre. I think there's aggravation on two fronts trying to discipline unruly students and not getting support from the administration and from the parents like you once did in doing that as a teacher. And all of the teaching mandates must teach this now, much te must teach to this standardized test, whatever it happens to be, that has taken the fun and the creativity and the heart out of the job. Throw in pay, and there's my big four. Yaffe, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think for number one for me is the discipline issue, like you said. Over and over again, when I talk to teachers, that's the number one issue. And on the text line right now, that's the number one issue. Teachers are having a very hard time handling a lot of misbehaving kids. Yeah, and that's been an issue for years. I think you add the fear in the wake of the Parkland School Massacre and and the fact that, you yeah. know, we don't seem to have schools, most of them, really secure, despite a lot of lip service to doing it after the massacre in February, I think that has definitely cost us some teachers, even though so nobody at the official level seems willing to acknowledge it. 
I'm sorry I couldn't get more of the callers on here. We got to move on because I got one red hot topic after another. And uh, we definitely want to get into this controversy surrounding the already controversial tax collector in Seminole County. Joel Greenberg calls for his resignation over something he tweeted about Muslims. I am not a defender, generally speaking, of the behavior of Joel Greenberg. But I'm on his side on this argument, and I will make the case in our 7 o'clock hour. And I want to know what you think, whether or not Joel Greenberg ought to resign or be removed from his job, which Governor Rick Scott can do, for what he tweeted about Muslims. The answer to that question to me is an emphatic no, and it is all about the First Amendment. Coming up in our 7 o'clock hour, after Deborah Roberts updates us on the news, my co-host and partner back with me here this morning, or I'm back with her. <laughs> Deb, it's great to see you. How you doing? Fat and sassy like usual. All right. And fired up and ready to go. Got Absolutely. the news ready. Well, we got the Bud Man back. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks to Yaffe and Mark Logos yes. for filling in in my absence while we were out on a nice family vacation in Nashville. Still no verdict in the Manafort trial. That's a big story this morning. And a Seminole County official facing a backlash after... What some say is an Islamophobic Facebook post. Yes, it is the Joel Greenberg story. Deb sets the table, and then we'll talk about it together in our number two. Good morning, Orlando. Great to be with you at 7 o'clock. Good Tuesday morning. Good morning, Orlando. Tuesday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Glad you're with us here at 7 o'clock for our latest check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, still no verdict in the Manafort trial and a Seminole County official faces backlash after an Islamophobic Facebook post. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And that's the Joel Greenberg controversy. The tax collector in Seminole County, should he be forced to resign? My take and yours ahead on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. Jury deliberations resumed this morning in the trial of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. The jury in Alexandria, Virginia, has been considering the charges against Manafort for three days now. Manafort faces over a dozen charges related to bank and tax fraud. Early in their deliberations last week, the jury asked the judge a few questions, including what the term reasonable doubt really means. There's no word, though, of any questions asked from the jury yesterday. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Microsoft says it has shut down six websites that tried to pose as the U.S. Senate, conservative organizations, and even Microsoft itself. The software giant says the fake sites aimed to trick people into thinking they were clicking on sites run by the conservative Washington think tank, the Hudson Institute. Another target was the International Republican Institute, a nonprofit pro-democracy group with many prominent Republicans on its board of directors. The Institute's president blamed the attack on Russian President Vladimir Putin. Central Florida Muslims and others are calling on Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg to resign after he asked Facebook followers to name anything good that came out of allowing Muslim immigration to the West. Imam Abdurrahman Sykes takes issue with that. Mr. Greenberg seeks to divide our communities by his use of hateful narratives that peddle lies and stoke tension. 
Greenberg, who says he asked the question for a, quote, friend, has said he doesn't condone the message he shared, but he doesn't regret sharing it. And he also said he won't be apologizing for it or stepping down. Big firestorm over this, and we're right in the middle of it, talking about it next here on Good Morning Orlando, Deb. Well, in the meantime, bud, Republicans are calling out South Florida Democratic Congressman Elsie Hastings. The longtime critic of the president is making headlines for a joke about Trump drowning. During the Stronger Together rally in Sunrise, Elsie Hastings asked the crowd the difference between a crisis and a catastrophe. A crisis is if Donald Trump falls into the Potomac uh, River and can't swim. A catastrophe is anybody saves his The Sun-Sentinel is reporting the Democratic congressman who represents Broward and Palm Beach counties also took digs at Trump saying, quote, there is no question that something is tragically wrong with the president in his mind, end quote. There's no initial comment from Hastings' office. Well, you know, the First Amendment protects that kind of thing, as ugly as it is. And there is the common thread to the Joel Greenberg story coming up. All right. Well, Casey Anthony's defamation case is proceeding in Tampa. Lawyers in uh, Anthony's civil defamation case reportedly have 45 days to file paperwork before a federal judge makes a ruling. A status hearing in the case happened yesterday at the Sam Gibbons Federal Courthouse. Neither Anthony nor plaintiff Roy Crunk showed up. Crunk filed the suit after finding Kaylee's body in 2008 in the woods near her grandparents' Orange County home. Anthony was acquitted of the murder in 2011, but her lawyers pointed fingers at Crunk. And finally, an alpaca here in Florida is dead. A what? An alpaca. Kind of looks like a llama. Got it. All right. Well, it's dead after eating too much junk food. The food, including animal crackers, Doritos, cheese nips, and peanuts, was left in the alpacas Clay County field by a man who has a habit of throwing inappropriate food to the alpacas. This time, the alpaca in question ate it all and died from too many toxins in its blood. Oh, boy. A local animal hospital tried to save the alpaca, even giving it a blood transfusion, but it was to no avail. The man who keeps leaving garbage food for the animals hasn't been identified, and the herd is now being moved further away from the road for its protection. Yeah, as well it might. Yeah. Again, only here in Florida. Yeah, that's for sure. WFLA News Time at 7.07. Read about a Florida teen arrested after stealing police weapons and then flaunting them online. Yeah, I heard about this guy. What a story. <laughs> you can get the story for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Always great to be back and to hear the dulcet tones of my co-host, Deborah Roberts, bringing the news as nobody else can do it. Deb Meister, it's great to be here. Had a nice, refreshing family vacation with Linda up in Nashville, but uh, it's fun to be back here with the team on the 50,000-watt front porch and, yes, with the smartest audience in talk radio. Thanks for setting the table on the Greenberg controversy. You're welcome, and it's great to have you, great to have you back. Of course, Yaffe and Mark Logos did a great job in your absence, but it is good to have the Bud Man back on the 50,000-watt front porch. Thank you, Deb Meister and Yaffe. Thanks to you, and now you're back at your regular slot, executive producing alongside him in the control room, taking your calls if you want to talk to me. Stephanie, reachable at uh, 407-916-5400. And the text line, always open, never busy, 23680. Know that their standard message and data rates apply. It's the Frontgate Realty Studio. From whence we come on a Tuesday morning and every day on your cell, just hit pound 250, say real estate. So there are calls from 
Muslim activists, calls from the Democrat Party, and even some very, very squeamish Republicans for the resignation or the ouster of Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg. I'm no fan of Greenberg and his antics, well chronicled on this show since he became the tax collector a couple of years ago. But it is outrageous what people are calling for here when you really understand what Greenberg did and didn't do. We cannot go down this road that people are taking us down on social media mostly, but in this age of political correctness, where somebody can lose their job and their career for expressing themselves on, say, Twitter, in this case. Now, I'm taken up for Joel Greenberg because I see it as a First Amendment case. Okay, that's where the Budman is coming from. If you're not fully connected to this story, you will be in a moment. And I want to know what you think ought to happen, if anything, to Mr. Greenberg, the tax collector of Seminole County. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. We're diving in on this controversy, and we'll do it right after we update Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg, elected in 2016. Uh, Controversial almost since the get-go. Do you remember this? I ripped him pretty good on a couple of these these episodes here. He tried to pull over a woman for speeding and used his tax collector's badge as his authority to do it. And then, do you remember this? And it was police body cam um, footage which, which busted him on this. He tried to talk his way out of a speeding ticket, asking a Lake Mary police officer uh, as a professional courtesy for an elected official at his status. You know, come on, give me a break here, all right? It's outrageous behavior, no question about it. So there's a little perspective on Joel Greenberg. How he's doing as tax collector, I don't know. I haven't, I don't, we don't interface with him any more than the average person does. The office seems to run for us about the way it ran under longtime tax collector Ray Valdez you know, who had a sorry end to his career a few years back and opened the door for Joel Greenberg. But at any rate, this is where the controversy now raging in Central Florida began. On Saturday, on his Facebook page, his personal Facebook page, Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg posted this question. He said, quote, very simple question. Name just one society in the developed world that has benefited in any way from the introduction of more Muslims. Just one, asking for a friend, end quote. And the firestorm came down around him. Muslim activists and other activists calling for his resignation. He says he won't resign. Calling for Governor Scott, who has the power to remove an elected official like this from office, the governor's office is saying he don't, they don't like the, 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 the tweet. They haven't said any more than this. He can't be losing his job over this. This is outrageous if that's what it comes to. Do I think this was a smart thing to, 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 to put up there as an official? No, but we have a First Amendment. He should have the right to express himself 
and he shouldn't be facing consequences like losing a job and a career. And again, he is simply tweeting what former conservative national talk show host Neil Bortz originally said. This was his quote. He said it often on his radio program before he retired. That I'm just asking you, can you name one society in the developed world that has benefited in any way from the introduction of more Muslims? Just one. And he retweeted that, essentially, okay? And he linked it to uh, a website which was disparaging of, of Muslim terrorism, okay? So that's where we are right now. He says, you know what, Joel Garris? I was legitimately asking on behalf of somebody else. Now I'm just sitting back and watching people go crazy. I don't have a racist or a bigoted bone in my body. He's sorry if he offended anybody. He says, I was simply provoking public discussion that it is much different than me making a statement as a fact or an opinion. And it is. It is. He didn't say. He posed a question. You may say, well, that's disguising his Islamophobia and his bias against Muslims. I don't know that, and neither do you. He says, I'm just asking a question. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a discussion, Greenberg writes, especially when they're getting censored on other platforms, conservatives are. We live in a world that's extremely politically correct. Most people try to walk the fine line, unfortunately cannot. We can't have a public discussion. It's gotten to the point right now that you can't say something like that. He says, no one's ever accused me of not serving Muslims like everybody else at the Seminole County Tax Collector's Office. If that were true, that would be outrageous, that kind of discrimination here. But for God's sakes, we have a First Amendment here. We have a First Amendment. If you want to criticize them like I'm doing right now, fine. But he should not be removed from office for posing that question on Twitter. Do you understand why? First Amendment freedom of speech is why. Can I make it any more simple than that? But you got the thought police out there. You got the political correctness police who are out there. You got the mobs on social media, Twitter, Facebook, wherever it happens to be. And I'm telling you right now, it's unbelievable what's happening to people as a result of this online, high-tech mob mentality. I've had enough of it, and I'm no big Joel Greenberg fan. But he doesn't owe anybody an apology. As long as anybody who goes into the tax office gets treated the way everybody else is treated, that's fine. He posed a question, a legitimate point for discussion, perhaps. For this, they want him ousted from the position. If you don't want Joel Greenberg, as your tax collector, next election when he's up, vote him out. Other than that, he should keep his job. Don't you think? If you really believe in the fundamental foundations of this great republic, and there's nothing more fundamental and foundational than the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment protections of speech. 407-916-5400. What's your take on this? Should Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg be forced to resign for his Facebook post in which he simply posed a question asking if you can name a society 
that has been improved in the developed world by the influx of Muslims. Now, you can have that, that debate, that discussion, you know. You can say, you know what, there's an awful lot of people in the medical field doing a lot of good work in this country who happen to be Muslims. You could make that case on the other side of the, of the ledger here, but just raising this question should not cause this firestorm and should not be reason for the resignation or the ouster of Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg. Johnny from uh, Ocoee, how do you see it? And welcome aboard, Johnny. Glad how you doing this morning. I think Joe Greenberg's a jerk off to start off with, but I think he has a good question. I'd like to hear you answer it percentage-wise from what you just said. Well, I just told you. I said you could make a good argument here well, that in certain professions, percent? the medical one in particular here, um, there are a lot of Muslims who come from other countries and do exemplary work. I think I think you ought to do a segment on your show with his question, then, if you're supporting it. And let's no, I'm not. No, I, I am supporting his right to say it without losing his job and his career and his elected position, Johnny. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I bang my head against the wall sometimes because I feel like you say something here and and it's so obvious what you're saying and what you mean, and then people don't get it. John and Apopka, good morning. Good morning, bud. It's my opinion very, very simple. Let the voters decide in 2020. There you go. There you go. And thank you, sir. Short of that, he keeps his job for this, right? Right. Thank you. Van. You're on from Miami with a Bud Man. Good morning, Van. Good morning, sir. Welcome back, my friend, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now, I, I agree. I am so sick and tired of everybody has to lose a job because of something that's supposed to be protected by our rights. And I agree 100%. He hasn't lost his job yet, but the activists, Muslim and otherwise, are calling for his head. They want him out. They want the governor to take him out which he could do and which he should not do. Text line, Yaffe. Yeah, one texter says, but people have just become overly sensitive. It's sad that we can no longer say anything without offending someone. Absolutely right. It's like it should be in a constitution somewhere. I keep looking for it here. You have a constitutional <laughs> right. right not to be offended. Good luck. It's a constitutional violation. Give me a break. Still no verdict in the Manafort trial. Big story. Deb is following for us this morning. She's going to update that and all the news at the bottom of the hour in just a moment, focusing also on some restaurant owners threatened over a new fry shape. Well, yeah, absolutely. Fries are supposed to look like fries, for crying out loud. We can't have any departure from that. None. Absolutely. I'm zero tolerance on changing the shape of fries. Well, so are a lot of the people in the story <laughs> I'll have for you. <laughs> While we're talking tolerance, as we have been, or lack thereof. Good morning, Orlando, at 7.30. News update now. If you're just checking in, Deborah Roberts has it all, and we continue to play the waiting game on a verdict in the first Manafort trial, right? Yeah, absolutely, because jury deliberations in the trial of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort will continue this morning. The jury has been considering the charges against Manafort for three days now. Manafort is facing over a dozen charges related to bank and tax fraud. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I kid you not, the owners of a hot dog stand in central Maine has had to deal with some seriously unhappy customers and even threats of violence after they made a slight change to their menu. 
And the, that, this is the Fry story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Leslie and Jim Parsons, the owners of Bowley's Famous Franks, an unassuming hot dog stand located in Waterville, became the targets of harassment, bud, and even physical threats after they decided to switch up the fries from crinkle cut to straight cut. Oh, boy. Major offense. One man became so upset by the change in the recipe, he even threatened to fight Jim after being kicked out for becoming disorderly around customers. <laughs> this is the age of completely unbalanced, inappropriate reaction to everything. Everything. I mean, the same mentality, in my opinion, uh, is at work in the Greenberg controversy we just talked about. And in something as minor as the shape of French fries, the response is inappropriate to the perceived offense. We are collectively losing our minds in this country, yeah. are we not? Yeah, absolutely. The crinkle-cut fry was an original item served at Bowley's ever since the hot dog shop first opened in 1962. But last week, the owners posted on Facebook about their decision to make the change to the recipe and said that threats to them and their family oh, over French fries would not be tolerated. I'm trying to laugh, but it's just... its just It makes you, you go, think about what? This. What? We're actually threatening someone violence over the shape of the French fry. <sighs> Yaffe, I don't know if we're going to survive. I'm fearing for the future of the republic. This is what did it, huh? This is what made <laughs> well, you question there's, that. There's always a tipping point. <laughs> this is it. Huh? Straw that breaks the camel's back, <laughs> the okay? Fry, the fry this controversy. This may be it. The history books will, will document <laughs> this moment. That's it. <laughs> oh, Lord. What else is going on, Deb? Well... I don't know if you would eat this, but a restaurant in Taiwan is serving up a type of dessert that looks all too real to eat. It's a novelty ice cream that comes in the shape of a puppy. No. Yes. I Bad association. Couldn't oh, do that. Of course Could not. you? In Dog fact, lover, you couldn't no, do that. No. In fact, it looks so lifelike you have to do a double take. For those that don't care, the treat comes in chocolate, milk, tea, and peanut flavors. Each is made in molds using a special recipe which creates a frost. That mimics fur. But, well, well, but, but well, wait a minute now. Now, let's, <laughs> let's, I, I don't want to get too analytical here, but on Easter, you know, who doesn't bite the ears off a chocolate bunny? That's okay. <gasps> you bite the ears off the bunny? It's either that or his tail. One's going first. Bud, man. No, really. Who doesn't? Everybody does that. You're going to eat the chocolate bunny, aren't you, at some point? You gotta bite the ears off the that's, money. That's a good point. Well, I there still you go. I still don't want my ice no. cream shaped like a puppy. <laughs> Yaffe, you gotta <laughs> weigh in on this, man. I mean, does it taste good? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Cut right to the chase. There There's your go. bottom line. There that's all I care go. about. All right. That's there we go. Right. We have we have no further questions. The witness may stand down. Well done, sir. <laughs> that's all we got. All right, Deb. Thanks. Hey, we played a sound judgment game once a show. We move it around. Um, Mark ran it just before 9 o'clock yesterday. Mark Logos, Ian Yaffe hosted for me last week while I was out on vacation, and I appreciate the wonderful work they do. Um, we're moving it right into this segment now, and you are eligible by corporate rules to win the game if you have not won sound judgment in 30 days. It's an honor system deal here, and I hope you'll play by the rules and step aside so others can get on the line and have a chance to win. If you like the Lake Ridge Winery out in Lake County, they put on these great festivals, food and drink, and it's just fantastic. It's a very special place. And we've got some free tickets to a great event coming up there that you can win for yourself, for your friends, for your family. 
Free tickets to this event coming up for our Sound Judgment winner. Hop on the 50,000-watt front porch right now. 407 407-916-5400. Sound Judgment coming up. Contestants in place, ready to go with the Sound Judgment game. When we play, if you're trying to get in but the line is busy, wait for a wrong answer and dial in quickly at 407 916 400. Now, about that new prize, Steph, what can you tell us? Yes, Bud. So today we have a four-pack of tickets of one-day admission to the Wine and Cheese Festival at Lake Ridge Winery and Vineyards happening September 8th to the 9th. The Wine and Cheese Festival have music, grape stomping, food, and wine. For more info, visit lakeridgewinery.com. Grape stomping. You got to love that. <laughs> Even if you don't drink it. You got to love stomping it. That'll get your frustrations out. I could be in for that. It's out in Lake County. It's a great place, and it's a great, great event. And you are going to be our winner if you get the right answer here. So let's go. Musical history was made yesterday when the Eagles' greatest hits album became the best-selling album of all time in the U.S. I want you to listen to some sound from that album as the Eagles sing Lion Eyes. Then use your sound judgment to name the artist and the album that had been number one in all-time sales until now. So that's from the Eagles' Greatest Hits album, which is now the number one selling album in the U.S. of all time. The question is, name the artist and the album that had been number one for years until the Eagles overtook them officially yesterday. Are you ready? That's the question. Let's see how we do. Line one, you're up. Nope. No luck? Okay, thanks for being on the line. There's the open line. You can do this. This has been in the news a lot in the last 24 hours. If you've been connected to what's going on, you know the answer to this question. 407-916-5400. The Eagles are now number one in album sales with their greatest hits. Who was number one, and what was the name of that album? Line two, you're up. Michael Jackson Thriller. Yaffe, that sounds pretty good. Why don't we check that out? I think we found a winner. Congratulations, my friend. What's your name, please? Uh, my name is Dan. Dan? Yes. You're calling in from what town, buddy? Orlando. Good deal. Wonderful to have you with us. You're going out to the Lake Ridge Winery for the Wine and Cheese Festival and the Grape Stomping and good times. I hope you have fun with that. The tickets are on us. Dan, thanks for being a part of our show. Thanks for playing and winning the game this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Don't go away. You and Steph are going to talk it over and make it all happen offline. There we go. Okay, fair enough. In a moment, I have the Rush Morning Update. You don't want to miss Rush. He's been on fire of late, as you know. 
Good Tuesday morning to you. Great to be back after our family vacation. Lynn and I uh, went up to Nashville to see our daughter and uh, her husband and our two great-grandkids, ages 12 and 11, and we spent a lot of time with them and a lot of time with old friends because we once upon a time lived a few years in the Nashville area, and we love it. And Music City is one of the fastest-growing, most dynamic cities in the entire country right now. It's just been transformed. And I had an extraordinary experience along with Lynn and, and, and our family and friends at a lunch counter in an old Woolworths. And I want to share the story with you because it is a completely different take than what we are seeing across the country now where any symbols of the age of slavery or discrimination are being removed from public view. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, an iconic symbol of discrimination against blacks is not being removed from public view. It has been fully restored for all to view. And I saw it with my own eyes. And I will share the story coming up. Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you here at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday morning as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning still no verdict in the Manafort trial, and a record number of manatees have died this year. We'll give you the details coming up in one minute. What I learned on vacation at a Woolworths lunch counter in Nashville. The story coming up next for you on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning. It's 8.04 on News Radio 1025. Jurors in the Paul Manafort trial will meet again today to continue deliberating charges against the former Trump campaign chief. The jury deliberated for a third day yesterday but didn't come to a conclusion on the more than a dozen counts Manafort is facing. The bank and tax fraud charges stem from the Russia investigation but are not connected to the meddling in the 2016 election. Manafort's lawyers say he, uh, he feels good with the fact that the jury hasn't decided anything yet. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A record number of manatees have died this year. So far, 554 manatees have died in 2018, and there are still four months left to go. This number has already exceeded the total number for all of 2017. Experts are blaming the red tide bloom for the deaths. The toxic algae has claimed the lives of many manatees around the state. It's still unclear what causes the red tide algae to form. However, it can be fueled by fertilizer and stormwater runoff and waste from leaking sewage lines and septic tanks. A lot of people are blaming Governor Rick Scott, though, for weakening the state's water quality requirements and monitoring. Become a political issue here yes, it um, has. as he runs for Senate. And, uh, and then you have the toxic green algae blooms in South Florida. I mean, you know, all the way up into the southern reaches of central Florida on a scale I don't remember ever seeing, Deb. And they have it. I mean, this thing started in November of last year. Oh, my goodness. It's been going on that long. That I did not realize. Yeah. That's interesting. Meanwhile, contractors are working to remove dead sea life piling up in neighborhood canals in Manatee County. The sea animals have been killed by the red tide algae. Last week, county leaders announced that $500,000 has been allotted to help contractors combat the red tide. Officials say the situation, Bud, to answer your question, has never been this bad, uh -huh. and they're working to help get the cleanup effort going. So far, over 150 tons of dead sea life has been removed from beaches and waterways in Manatee County alone. It's unbelievable. It's such a tourist mecca, those normally pristine beaches. It's foul. Nobody can stand the stench. And, and for people who just live there and that's home, 
it's worse yet. Yeah, exactly. And get away from it. And over in Sarasota County, the Venice City Council heard from dozens of residents, including William Wood, about the red tide problem, bud, that's dumped millions of dead sea fish and sea life on the beach and local canals. State of Florida come up with $1.2 million in this uh, state of emergency, and they immediately said five to 600000 was going to go to advertising. What are we going to advertise? People to come down to our beaches and then run away? The Venice City Council held an emergency meeting on Red Tide Monday. One restaurant owner in Sarasota said business is down about 70 percent. It's a catastrophe. It is. And to that end, Governor Rick Scott is asking Uncle Sam to help Florida businesses impacted by the algae blooms caused by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers water discharges from Lake Okeechobee. Yesterday, Scott requested that the U.S. Small Business Administration issue an economic injury disaster declaration. This is just for Lee and Martin counties. The declaration will provide small businesses with low-interest loans so they can recover from the harm caused by the blooms. The governor's office says that once the SBA has approved Lee and Martin counties, the state will work quickly to include other areas that have been impacted. Huge story with so many dimensions to it. I know you'll do a great job along with the rest of the team in the newsroom of keeping everybody up to date on this. Yeah, because like you said, it, it's been an unprecedented, uh, it's been an un- uh, unprecedented outbreak. And, and the scope of it is, is what is life. so different. The sea life. I, I mean, manatees, dolphins, uh, baby sharks, goliath grouper, oh, yeah. whale sharks. I mean... And finally, it's uh, gator hunting season here in Florida, and Mm -hmm. uh, Cooper City Man has caught a big one. Local 10 News reports that Jim Howard and two friends were in a Sea Ray ski boat last Thursday when he spotted a massive alligator on the bottom of Lake Okeechobee. Using ropes, a grappling hook, and a gun called a bank stick to shoot the gator in the skull, Howard and his buddies landed their catch. The reptile measured nearly 12 feet long and weighed almost 1,000 pounds. (laughs) It's a big alligator. Good Lord. WFLA News Time, it's 8.08, and you can read about two people and one dog rescued from a submerged truck in a marina out in Los Angeles, and they were able to rescue everyone without breaking a single window. You can see the video and get the story for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Deb. Great to be back with you. Great family vacation up in Nashville, and we are back. Lynn and I had a terrific time with the family and old friends, and we had an extraordinary experience having lunch at an old Woolworths in downtown Nashville. And there we saw a completely different spin on the national trend of removing from public view any symbols of racial discrimination, much less slavery. And I'll share it with you because I lived it at a lunch counter in Nashville, Tennessee. Stay tuned. It's right after we give you an opportunity to go on us to the fabulous iHeartRadio Music Festival coming up in Las Vegas, September 21st and 22nd. Our grand prize texting contest. Boy, this is on and this is just awesome. Stay tuned. We got the texting Word of the hour coming up. You need to text it immediately when you hear it coming up in a second here to 200-200, and you could win a fabulous round trip to Las Vegas for the iHeartRadio Music Festival, round trip airfare to Vegas, two-night hotel on us, ground transportation for the airport and the hotel, tickets to both nights of the iHeartRadio Music Festival, a couple of tickets to the daytime stage events. It is awesome, and then you're eligible for the grand prize worth more than 21000 bucks. 
Texting contest word coming right up. Stay tuned. Right after a word from Deb and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic will be in the mix as well in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, you know, a little bit of anybody's vacation story goes a long way. And so I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about, you know, what we do in our private lives. Everybody goes on vacations of one kind or another, or at least I hope they do. Uh, but I think this one is worth blowing out a little bit of precious broadcast time on the 50,000-watt front porch. For during our Nashville vacation with family and friends, we had lunch at Woolworth on 5th. It's an old Woolworth's department store. You know, they've gone out of existence, but every city of any size at all had at least one Woolworth's downtown. It was a department store, but it also had a restaurant where you could eat. It had a lunch counter where you could eat, okay? And, um, and, and they're gone now. Now, why did we go to Woolworth on 5th? It's interesting. I'll tell you in a moment. After I set the table by asking you, what is the approach in 21st century America, here in 2018, to any symbol of racial discrimination, of segregation, of, um, of, of, of discrimination of any kind toward, let's say, principally African Americans, to any symbol of slavery in the Old South? Those symbols are to be removed immediately from public view under great condemnation. Nobody is to come face to face with any symbols of discrimination or any symbols of the war between the states and the South, which had an economy that was based on enslaving African Americans they had captured from the continent and brought over here under horrible conditions, which continued against their will. You know, it's a terrible stain on the history of this country, but it actually happened. And I am one who maintains that we need to learn from our history, lest we be doomed to repeat it, as somebody much smarter than I once said. And that history, whether it reminds us of the very best or the very worst of us, needs to be preserved so it can be a rallying point for conversation and discussion and thought about where we are, where we've been, and where we are going as a society. They just tore down a Confederate-era statue over in North Carolina. You know what happened to the 100-year-old Johnny Reb Confederate soldier statue in Orlando? Mayor Buddy Dyer, under pressure apparently from a couple of black activists, just one day decided we're taking out the statue, banning it, where it won't be seen by very many to the Greenwood Cemetery. Nobody even got a vote on that, and history was gone. This is going on all over the country. Well, at this lunch counter at Woolworth's in Nashville, Tennessee, back in 1960, some black college students came in and sat down at the lunch counter, which was designated in that day and age in the South, as for whites only, and they demanded service, and they didn't get any. They closed down the lunch counter, would not serve the black college students. 
They were peaceful in their rally. Old John Lewis, still in Congress for the Democrats out of Georgia, was a young man who was a part of those demonstrations that finally broke the back of segregated restaurants in Nashville, Tennessee. The peaceful lunch counter demonstrations in what was then a thriving Woolworths department store and little restaurant and lunch counter, the likes of which we had in Orlando and other cities as well all across the country until Woolworths went under with the changing economy and people's tastes, etc. We sat down there and we ate at that lunch counter in that historic restaurant. All around us were pictures of what had happened back in those days of discrimination. And they restored the entire place and opened it up again. It had been closed for years to make it look as much like they could as the original Woolworths there. But it is a symbol of racial discrimination of the worst kind, of intolerance toward blacks. And there's a big sign that looks like it's 50, 60 years old, but it's made to look that way. It is new. And that sign says, you are welcome at our table. And blacks and whites and everybody enjoys this restaurant. But nothing is hidden from view about what the history was there. There are pictures from that era in black and white all over the restaurant. But that's what you should do with symbols of difficult history. Not remove them, not destroy them, not condemn them. In this case, this guy bought this old, closed-down Woolworths and restored it and opened it because he said, I think we have a story here that needs to be told and retold. And it is a wonderful place to have a meal. And that is what I learned on my vacation at a Woolworths lunch counter in Tennessee, that this is the way we should handle historic symbols of discrimination, intolerance, as opposed to just destroying statues or removing them from public view. And let me tell you, there was a great mixed-race population of people who were enjoying side-by-side a meal at the old, once-whites-only lunch counter at Woolworths on 5th Street in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It was a vacation highlight I wanted to share with you. Any thoughts? 407-916-5400. Isn't that the way we should be handling symbols of the worst of our history? What about that? They just opened that restored Woolworths with a lunch counter scene of those legendary demonstrations in Nashville, Tennessee that helped break the back of segregation in that town uh, back in, the, in 1960. Um, there were blacks and whites sitting shoulder to shoulder there and, and people in the restaurant of all kinds, all races. And, uh, and Yaffe, I think... Why it was so important was they were right there in the place where all of this happened. And I think there was a kind of a quiet sense among everybody of this this gives us a sense of how far we've come. Yeah. You know, I, we're not we're not where we need to be, but by God, we're one hell of a lot better than we were in nineteen sixty when you couldn't sit down at a lunch counter and get a meal just because your skin was dark. 
and how far we've come. And that place is a monument to to the advancement in our society, even though it fully acknowledges the dark era of Jim Crow laws and segregation in the Deep South. Yeah, I want to go there now. I didn't, you know, when I was right you know, in the heart of Nashville. Yeah, right, I wish I would have right, known that when I was at the there exact a couple weeks location ago. where it always was. Wow. Yeah, and they and they restored it. They had a lot of this stuff that had been covered over when it 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 was a different kind of store. They just put drywall up. You didn't know it was there then, but they took the, all this down. And all the Woolworth stuff was still there, and it's pretty really amazing. I think. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think it's great. Here's Bobby and Eustace. Good morning to you, Bobby. So, what about my story? Does it resonate with you at all? It's 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 absolutely fantastic. I think that's a great idea, and the man that did that should be applauded. I would like to make my point also. Or that once the monuments are teared down, what's next? Books. Sure. All the Nazi Germany burned the books, right? Exactly. And here's the thing. In 1939, uh, Gone with the Wind was demonstrated against by uh, communists that didn't want it shown in the movie theaters. And this is a fact. It's a recorded fact. Gone with the Wind was was demonstrated against. And that was another example of what history teaches us. De Tocqueville said, those who do not learn history remain children forever. Thanks for putting a button on the conversation, Bobby. We do appreciate it. Still no verdict in the Manafort trial. What's going on there? And surfing is named the official state sport of what state? We'll find out from the Debmeister, Deborah Roberts, my co-host, checking in with our news at the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss that. It's coming right up. And from all of us on the 50,000-watt front porch, good Tuesday morning. Boy, have anybody who thought that the um, the trial of one-time um, Trump campaign chief Paul Manafort was going to be a slam dunk for the jury needs to think again. They're struggling to come up with a verdict, aren't they? Yeah, they are. The jury and former Trump campaign chief Paul Manafort's trial will continue deliberating today. The jury in Alexandria, Virginia, wrapped up a third day of deliberations yesterday without coming to a decision on the uh, tax and bank fraud charges against Manafort. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. They even requested of the judge yesterday to be allowed to work 45 minutes longer than normal, working past 6 p.m. Uh, instead of 5, and also asked for a bigger room to handle the hundreds of uh, things that have been entered into evidence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They've asked about the definition in the legal realm of reasonable doubt. I know members of the Trump team are already saying the longer this goes, the better it looks that maybe Manafort somehow beats the rap and gets off the hook. And but he if, has another trial coming up. He does. And uh, if if there is no verdict today, we'll mm-hmm. definitely ask our attorney, Jeff Kaufman, during a le- legal brief segment tomorrow morning at 840, what he has to say about That'll it. That'll be a terrific topic. Yep. All right. Surfing is now the official sport of, no surprise, mm-hmm. California. Thought so. Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill yesterday making hanging 10 the sport of choice in the Golden State. The bill was the brainchild of a group of lawmakers who surf. It was co-authored by Democratic State Assemblyman Al Murasuchi, a longtime surfer who represents the Beach Boys' hometown of Torrance. Well, they can have it because the resumption of manned space flights from Cape Canaveral is a step closer. You keep your surfing out there, California. Yesterday, SpaceX installed the walkway that astronauts will use to board the Crew Dragon capsule missions to the International Space Station. Ah. Yeah, workers used multiple cranes to lift the access arm 200 feet into the air and attach it to the tower at the historic launch pad 39A at Kennedy Space Center. SpaceX is planning to send its first manned mission to the space station 
next April. I was going to wonder how how close they think. So we're inside a year now, they think. Yeah. Amazing. Isn't it? 39A, 39B, that's where all all the the launches in the Apollo era, et cetera. Space shuttles, my goodness. And now we're going to get to see the the crew dragon capsule. Yeah, coming up. Yeah. All right, who says you can't drink on the job? Thanks to a new promotion, you can literally drink for your job. One lucky winner and a friend of their choice will get the chance to travel the world and drink gin at the same time. Oh, and get paid to do it, too. <laughs> you got to be kidding me with this. Mr. Frogs, a collection of London bars and Bombay Sapphire, are looking for a candidate who's social media savvy, has a strong knowledge of both brands, and has good photography skills, because the winner will have to document the entire experience on social media and a blog. Not too bad of a deal. They also have to enjoy drinking gin, of course. Now, according to the Thrill List, the contest is inspired by the Jules Verne novel Around the World in 80 Days. I remember that one. So the winner will travel a route similar to the book. Expenses for airfare, accommodations, and alternative travel methods will be covered. However, the winner won't just be drinking cocktails. They'll be making their own. They're tasked with collecting herbs, botanicals, and spices during their travels to help concoct a limited edition Around the World cocktail That'll be featured at a soon-to-open Mr. Frog's Bar. Now, for a chance to win, you need to fill out the application by Monday, August 27th. Keep your schedule open from the end of August to November of this year and find a fellow gin-loving friend. I don't know. Gin. (laughs) That's an acquired taste. But some folks, they really love the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be no shortage of folks who are going to win that. The chance to go around the world, all expenses paid. There you go. Hopefully somebody else will be driving. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Deb. You're welcome, bud man. All right, we roll on toward the 9 o'clock hour. It's Good Morning Orlando, Tuesday edition for the Frontgate Realty Studio. On your cell, just hit pound 250. Say real estate. And you are in business. So somebody tell me, why can't we have the Woolworth Nashville lunch counter approach to dealing with uncomfortable history, like racial discrimination? Uncomfortable is a terrible understatement. Forgive me that. Why why isn't it better to take an old restaurant where blacks were not served until the demonstrations changed the era of segregation in the deep south city of Nashville. Why would it not be better to preserve and restore such history so we can contemplate where we've been, where we are, where we're going, and have an appreciation for, you know what, things ain't perfect But by God, as a society in this regard, we are one heck of a lot better than we were not all that many years ago. This is the way to go, what they've done with that old Woolworths lunch counter in Nashville, site of the old demonstrations. They've restored it, and people eat there, blacks and whites side by side, in a very comfortable way every single day, as opposed to, oh, that's a symbol of racial discrimination. And intolerance, it must be removed from public view. That statue must come down and be destroyed, must be desecrated and spat upon. I like the Nashville-Woolworth approach. Don't you? I think we need more of that. Don't you? 407-916-5400. 
or text me at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. That and why you will not be able, I believe, to vote on Florida Amendment 8 in November. I'm with a judge on this. Stay tuned. It's all ahead. 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Yeah, if you're monitoring our incoming on the text line, 23680, on um, the restoration of this old Woolworths with the lunch counter, which was the site of, um, of uh, racial uh, demonstrations back in the 1960s. Uh, yeah, I got a few texts on this, bud. One person says this, says if we... Um says uh where did it go i'm sorry if we don't acknowledge past mistakes we are bound to repeat them another person makes a really good point says seems the democrats and left-wing representatives like to teach minorities at a young age to be the victim but the reality is race-related issues would not be nearly as bad if we all go sit down and eat together yeah yes (laughs) i agree it's why the one thing about the restoration is different there's a big sign up above the lunch counter along with all the old menu items and the old dime store prices long gone um, at the old Woolworths lunch counter where the blacks weren't allowed to be served and sat in until they were allowed to be served in 1960. It says, you are welcome at our table, you know, and that's the message there and everybody eats together. Yeah, I think there's a big misconception with people on the left that people like you and I don't want to see these confederate statues torn down they think it's because we love the confederacy or something no and no of course we don't i mean lincoln is probably maybe my favorite president so i have no love for the confederacy but you and i love history yeah and we love learning from history and we want history to be preserved and taught sure and they're they're taking that away yes that's true and, you know, with, with the, these symbols should not be removed. They should be a point for conversation and spirited exactly. debate and also give us an appreciation for, you know, as I say, we're not perfect by a long shot, but we're headed in the right direction. Look how far we've come. Right. And that's what that lunch counter in the restored old Woolworths just screams to everybody, black and white, every day when it opens its doors in downtown Nashville. Joe, you're in Titusville, weighing in from the coast. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, bud. I'm glad to see you back. Thank you. Uh, and I'm glad to see you're okay. I'm just fine. Thank you. What did you think had happened to me? Well, I, you've been missing a few days here and there. I thought you might be having trouble with your voice or something like you had mm. not long ago. So I Well, thank you. Thank you for your concern. Maybe these guys who host a show like Yaffe and Mark Logos ought to ever mention a Bud Man's name maybe once in a while. He's still alive. He's only on vacation. He'll be back next week. Go ahead, Joe. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Well, uh, actually, they (laughs) did when I asked them about it. (laughs) Go ahead. But anyway, uh, I I think you're right. I think it's a good point. You know, people think they can hide history and make it go away. And it it should be a teachable moment in that, you know, we have a tendency to get overwhelmed about issues and uh, forget the history behind it. Yep. You know, I mean, like today, you know, nowadays, you know, our political parties are very hostile at each other, which doesn't accomplish anything. No, it doesn't, Joe. Not a thing. Very quickly, Andrew in Orlando, I want to squeeze you in. Go ahead. 
Yes, good morning, bud. Welcome back. Long time, partner. Thank Glad you. to hear you. Thank you. Hey, but, but my comment is, it's fine to have the statues, and I love that about the restaurant in Tennessee. I like that, and I have no problem with that. But it's cool to have that, but why is it that we can't have a serious conversation about it? About, you know, that whenever that conversation comes up, everybody's so quick to say, oh, it happened so long ago. I didn't own any slaves. You know, but we can we can be reminded of it in the restaurants and the statues and but why is it that we cannot have a serious conversation about it? As a man of color, why don't you answer the question and we'll wrap it up. You tell I me. A, I have no pro it's it's usually um the white people that's quick to end the conversation and say, Oh, it happened so long ago I didn't own any slaves, so I couldn't answer that. I'm not a white man. All right, sir, thank you. I'm sure we'll take up the conversation. When more time permits, that gets into a really deep deal, and I don't have the time to do it as much as I wish I did, Andrew. Don't be a stranger. It's nice to hear your voice again. The judge in Leon County, Florida, has ordered that Amendment 8 be scratched from the November ballot. The final decision on this will be made because the state's going to appeal in early December. Uh, make that uh, September, forgive me, and we will follow it. Here is what you would see on the ballot if Amem Amendment 8 were to survive. I'm glad the judge made the call he did, and then very briefly in the limited time left, I will tell you why in a moment. Um, the ballot title is School Board Term Limits and Duties, Public Schools. The ballot summary you would see is this. Creates a term limit of eight consecutive years for school board members and requires the legislature to provide for the promotion of civic literacy in public schools. Teach civics, which is a great thing. Everybody would want those, too. But then they also say currently district school boards have a constitutional duty to operate, control, and supervise all public schools. The amendment maintains the school board's duties to public schools it establishes, but permits the state to operate, control, and supervise public schools not established by the school board. The state, under Republican control, is trying to take away the resistance of local school districts to charter schools, because they don't, they don't, I, I'm all for school choice and charter schools here, but you should never have an amendment that forces you to vote for all three things or you get none of them. That's the problem I have with this, okay? You may want term limits for school board members. I say yes. You may want civics mandated to be taught in schools. It's all upside, all good. Everybody would go for that. But it's a polarizing issue about charter schools. I am pro-choice in terms of educational opportunities for you and your kids. But but I don't want to be forced into a bundling deal. And whenever you get one of these doggone amendments that puts three of these things together and you're stuck with all three when you only want two, the voters should not be faced with a choice like that. The judge made the right call. Great to be back. See you tomorrow. God bless you. And God bless America.